Good morning, Manchester. Welcome to Off the Mark Sports, your weekly sports radio show here on 95.3 WMNH. My name is Kyle Hebe, coming at you live on this December 10th, 2023. It is a warm 46 degrees outside here in the Queen City of Manchester, and we're glad to be here with you on Off the Mark Sports. What a week of sports, ladies and gentlemen. We have so much to take in today. Uh... We have two Patriots games to go over. We have the Bruins getting back on the winning track of the past couple of days. Well, at least yesterday. We have the Celtics who have been, uh, well, they didn't go play in the uh, in-season tournament championship game that was yesterday as well. But they still had a, a pretty good week, and we'll go into that. But obviously the biggest story that we have in sports that happened just yesterday was the signing of Shohei Otani. And this Japanese phenom has come into the league and for six years, he's been the biggest thing really to be able to pitch and to be able to, uh, to be able to pitch and to be able to hit home runs. And yesterday to have him sign a 10 year, $700 million deal, $700 to hit a baseball, to throw a baseball, to do, I don't know, play. Yeah, there's still 162 games a year, but unreal to see the type of money that was thrown his way by the Los Angeles Dodgers. And just unbelievable thing. And the person that broke the news to me first was Mr. Anthony D'Alessandro, who's here on the Skype. And uh, Anthony, I didn't believe it when you said just $700 million and to finally have that uh, become more known. I, I don't know how you, you, you had the, uh, the information before anyone else, but my goodness, Shohei Otani is a very rich man today. Yes. Um, that was crazy. That was what we were all waiting for. So uh, it's over. It went exactly kind of as how we expected with zero thought going into it. And, uh, didn't expect seven. I didn't expect seven, but I also really didn't anticipate him like actually going to the jo- the Dodgers. I kind of figured if he was going to go to the Dodgers, there wouldn't be so much, you know. I didn't even know really the Dodgers were high up on the list. I, the, from what I've been reading all week, he was uh, <laughs> thinking about Toronto. I, I don't know what the, the interest in Toronto was. I know that his main thing was that he wanted to win. And, well, he set himself up pretty well that um, over the next 10 years, I I expect Anthony that a championship will come to Los Angeles again with the, uh, the signing of, I mean, now you have Mookie Betts. You have, I mean, it's just, it's unfair. It's really unfair to the rest of the league. You say that, but you also couldn't finish that. Are we getting into this? Are we starting right off the rip? Are we just going to go right into the Shohei stuff? Cause yeah, it's the biggest story in sports. We got to start. with it. I was going to say you, you say that list, but that list is not very long. This Dodgers team right now is not the Dodgers team of uh, that we remember. The only people they're really paying right now are uh, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. They're not like, you know, the, the Dodgers team that we played in the World Series with like, you know, Justin Turner on a big contract and uh, Corey Seager. And you know what I mean? Like they have uh, they have James Outman, the guy who showed a little bit of pop last season. Um, they have, um, I'm trying to think from what I remember, they, they had a really good second baseman. 
uh, uh yeah Moritz or something like that yeah I, um i'm trying to remember his name he was like he's was one of their big prospects forever and he can't stay on the field so that's why mookie betts is moving to for a second base full-time next year that news came out this week that dave roberts is naming him the the starting second baseman going forward which is so, a wild thing right there to think that sir somebody really, that's won gold gloves out in uh, right field is now going to be playing shortstop. Yeah, I mean, I don't I'm pulling up the the spo track right now on the uh the Dodgers. Let's see. Because yeah, the Muncie, Dodgers Mu- are- sorry, third baseman. I I thought you know, it seems to me like Mac Mun- Max Muncy, 33 years old. Is uh is still doing the job pretty well for he is, but he's not like like he's not probably going to be part of like their championship core over the next like three or four years. You know what I mean? The Dodgers right now are fifteenth in payroll, so this what? is not we we all have this picture in our head of the Dodgers of twenty eighteen with uh Pete Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller and Dustin May and Julio Urias. Like they people haven't talked about that part yet either. They just lost. Julio Urias, who was supposed to be the biggest free agent pitcher this offseason, and then got in trouble with domestic uh, violence stuff. That's right. I Nobody's do remember. Nobody's a word about him. He was supposed to be a free agent right now, and he has not been talked about at all. So they've already lost a pitcher. They have uh, 34-year-old uh, Freddie Freeman at first base for $30 million a year. They have a 33-year-old Chris Taylor. They have a 33-year-old Max Muncy. They have Jason Hayward, who's 34. Uh, Miggy Rojas, who's 35, Austin Barnes, who's a 34-year-old catcher. Will Smith is another great player that they have on the team, but like they don't really have the team that people think they do. I think the point of this, and that's why it, it kind of came out that it was, which I don't know if you also saw the number that his AAV is technically 70 million, but because he plays in LA, it's 34 and a half. Yeah, to know so, he's losing so much money from taxes is wild. Yeah, that's why he got seven hundred million. If he signed to any other club, he would have probably gotten like between five and six. Like if he had signed to Miami, he probably would have gotten like five hundred just straight up because he would have he would have seen all of it. You know it's, what I mean? It's wild to see what taxes can so do too. They 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 are not like it's yeah, Gavin Lux, that's a that's the second baseman shortstop. But like again, he was like their top prospect. He has never really had that like full blown breakout season yet, and he's already twenty six. So you got Dustin May coming up on ARB 2. I believe there's only three arbitrations, so he's going to have to get paid because he's probably going to be their front-end starter going forward. Like, if you lose Urias, who now you don't have to pay, so I guess you save money there, but you also lose a top-of-the-rotation arm. So you have Walker Bueller coming off of, uh, I think he had Tommy John or some sort of UCL surgery. So you have him coming back off of a wonky arm. You're going to have Otani coming back off of a wonky arm next year. You and then you have uh, Dustin May, who has been, you know, very, very solid at best. You know what I mean? So they are not a, they are not the Dodgers of old. They still have plenty of work to do, and I mean that's why they they're deferring so much of Shohei's money right now, is because or not right now, but you know, they I think they said something like a majority of it is to be deferred. So again, like th- this is what I was telling my one of, a group of my friends yesterday. We are going to be talking about Otani Day, like Bobby Bonilla Day, until we're dead. Oh my goodness, is that going to be the and case? Instead of, and instead of like one point one million, it's going to be like twenty eight million for like the rest of our lives. 
Well, <clears throat> the Bonilla thing was just wild because that was 1999. And we're still doing it. And we're still talking about it each J- July 1st. So we'll see when uh, Shohei Day will be uh, as we get older for sure. Because Yeah, um, it's going to be, this is going to be very interesting to see how this plays because, you know, again, they are 15th in payroll. So they do have money to spend still. Like they can still go out and like they were talking about, trying to trade for uh, Mike Trout at the beginning of this offseason, too, which has now come out that he might not be getting traded. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to believe well, anymore. I don't think it that the like... Angels are going to get rid of both their superstars. That seems a little suspect to me. Sorry, what? It seems like it'd be kind of odd that they would get rid of both their superstars. No, it wouldn't. They're, they're, they're in a full-blown blow-it-up rebuild, and you're holding on to the best baseball player we maybe have ever seen so that, what, he can rot on your team because he's been there for a while instead of actually going to the playoffs? And, like, and they, they, they the Angels haven't gone to the playoffs season. since Mike Trout's been there, huh? They've gone... Mike Trout has, like, one playoff game under his belt. And there's like a wild-card game. Okay. Wow, that's no, so... Done with him and Shohei. Yeah. Him and Shohei on the team, none. Six years together, and they couldn't get uh, past... <laughs> They couldn't even get in the playoffs together. I think it's hilarious to me that the Dodgers and Padres play the first game of the year, and that is on Thursday, February 22nd, and, <clears throat> and already listed as out for that game is Shohei Otani. No, he'll play. He'll probably DH, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be—I mean, we still haven't even—the biggest domino to fall has fallen, so I'm assuming— the rest of the league will probably be following suit within the net. Like, I think this week is going to be a very busy week. We obviously know that this is Yamamoto week, and it was already said that he was going to kind of make his decision after Shohei gets signed, which actually now the more that I'm thinking about that, with them with them having all this free cap space and then deferring all of Shohei's payments, if they haven't... The, the Dodgers are not realistically out on Yamamoto yet, I don't think. Realistically, they would have to agree to spending a billion dollars between two players, but I don't think they're out on that. I think they're I think they're still in on going for Dylan Cease. I think they're still in for, you know, signing a guy like maybe a Blake Snell if he'll take like a you know what I mean, depending on how much some some of these guys want. Like the the Dodgers are still very much in the in the hunt for some other players. So Mark Peterson in the Facebook Live says the 2014 ALDS was it for Trout in the playoffs. Yeah, that was the he did it once. That was it. And they got bounced in the first game. I think I don't even think it was a was it a DS series or was it the play-in? I think that was 15. I would have had to have been. They didn't do the play-in yet. So yeah, they got. I think they got swept or something like that. So not even like the Kansas City Royals swept them three games to zero. Yikes. Uh, well, they won the World Series that year, so that that is funny to look back on to see that the only time he was in the playoffs was when they ba- got bounced by the Royals, but to, to the Royals' credit, they did win the World Series that year. I think that they, didn't they, yeah, the Giants beat the Royals four games to three. In, and, 15, in 2015? And this is 14. Oh, 14, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and right. then the Royals won the next year, so you you were incorrect on that. That was one of those you know odd or even years where the the Giants yes. beat them. Oh, yeah. But I don't know that I, I that, like I said, this week is going to get interesting. I think obviously, I mean, are we if we're going into full blown baseball here and not just uh, Otani talk? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously there's other sightings uh, the, for the, the Red, Red Sox, Sox for the Yankees for during during the uh, the middle of the. Everybody refreshing their feed for Otani news. The Red Sox pulling off a Tyler O'Neill trade. Kind of uh, a funny move. 
I like it. I like Tyler O'Neill. I think he's. I, I've always enjoyed him. I love the outfield with him and Harrison Bader in it in St. Louis. I thought that was like a fun outfield, good defensive outfield. Um, when they were both hitting, they were both fun. As I don't know if you've seen yet, but uh, Tyler O'Neill and Jaron Duran are kind of like the same, just giant, massive uh, meathead outfielders. So <laughs> if if that if that clicks and you know what I mean? We can have he is a righty and he has great power, obviously, with the you know, he's 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 a meathead. So he has the swing, he has a good swing for Fenway, and he he has a chance to be putting a lot of balls over that wall. Um, but I think this kind of people a lot of people are saying I didn't realize the kind of the decline, I guess, that O'Neill had, or maybe the year that sticks out the most in my head was his twenty twenty one, where uh he, I think that was like his that was like his best year, um, but people are saying that he's more of like a a fourth outfielder or not even like a starter. So, oh wow! I mean, I was I was considering, um, yeah. So like for I mean I guess he has been pretty injury prone now that I'm looking at his. He has only played over a hundred games once, and it was in 2021. Every other year since 2018, he's played either 60 games, 50 games. 96 and 72 the last two years, but he, he played 138 in 2021. So he's injury prone. But, you know, with a full season, you know, 130 games. So that's still a decent amount of games off. He was eighth in MVP with 34 home runs and 80 RBIs, batting 286. So, I mean, do with that what you will. But if that also means that he could end up being our fourth outfielder, I'm excited to see who ends up being in the starting lineup at in the outfield position. Because at this point, I'm pretty okay with, uh, Duran and O'Neill and like a mix of like Willier Abreu and Sedan Rafaela and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But I also don't think Abreu and Rafaela will both be on the team by opening day. At least I don't know. I'm 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 very torn with Craig Breslow right now. <laughs> well, obviously, going into, going into winter meetings and doing nothing but losing players is not what I would have liked to see out of like you know, like the first him doing anything i get i guess it's better than him just going in and doing like a adrian gonzalez carl crawford move yeah that was a big one for sure that will always remember that one yeah that was an incredible off season that turned into a abysmal regular season but yeah i don't know that that i was i was in my friend's group chat just bad naming breslow for like a half hour while we were discussing the shohei stuff being like i don't think he's not really doing anything i I, it just feels like he's another kind of heim where he's just kind of waiting for people to come to him or i don't again i don't know nobody no we're not hearing anything we're not seeing anything so again i could be completely wrong but um i think the tyler o'neill trade was great we gave up nothing we we gave up less than what we got for trading verdugo that Verdugo trade, I don't. Yeah, we haven't been on since we did that either. So. No, that that that's why I was just, we have a lot of baseball talk for yeah, you know December tenth to to trade another player to the Yankees, especially when he's a lefty who hits for decent power and they have the smallest left field wall in the league or right field wall in the league. So be prepared for him. Like I'm assuming he's probably going to have like maybe five home runs against the Red Sox next year if we play depending on how many games we play at either Fenway or Yankee Stadium he can swing it anywhere like we when we know when he when he's on he's on and for him to be playing against us there's no chance he's going into that game and not going to give like 110% or so even more that that's going to be huh or, or more <laughs> he's going to yeah, do whatever that, he can 
that's going to be interesting to see because that outfield, obviously, with, with the Soto deal. So you got Aaron Judge, Alex Verdugo, and Juan Soto in the Yankees outfield. Again, they are the Yankees. They go out and get the biggest player every year, and they can't do anything with it. So I don't know if maybe tying them all together like this will make it work finally. But, I mean, Garrett Cole won the Cy Young last year, and he they still couldn't even crack did they even get second place? Did they get second place, or did the Blue Jays get second place? Uh, they got, I believe it was fourth, because the Rays didn't make the the play-in game for the world's, for the playoffs before they were ousted by the same team that beat the Orioles, and that is the Texas Rangers. So the the Rangers were hot last year, um, and then it was the I, it was the Blue Jays who were actually in the in the battle too for the last couple wildcard games, but they just didn't, they weren't able to get enough wins at the end. So obviously with this trade for Juan Soto though, he only has got one year left in his contract. I think it's a, it's a bit of uh, they're, they're going in hard for this to see what he can do. And for a 25 year old, he's going to want a lot of money as well as the, you know, obviously the, a lot of money in Aaron judges deal already there in New York. So this is going to be, uh, quite an interesting thing to see what Soto, Aaron Judge, uh, Stanton all can do. Um, and obviously one of them will have to play a designated hitter. Which one will that be? Yeah. I mean, uh, again, you can plug anyone. They Their problem last year, though, too, was that they didn't have outfielders. That's why they were putting guys, random guys in the outfield. So um, they, th- those guys might be just staying in the field. Uh, again, it'll all depend on like injury stuff. Uh, Juan Soto played 162 games last year, so uh, maybe uh, who knows? That doesn't usually work out that way when you go to New York, but you know, we'll I think find the, out. the warm climate of San Diego makes it a little bit easier to uh, to want to play than uh, March in, in New York. He, he came up in he came up in DC. It's still you know a little bit warmer in DC some days, but yeah, I get what you're saying. It just seems like a lot. I mean, he's been traded twice in 17 months. Uh, what is it about Juan Soto that just people like but then they don't like is it you know he's he's a very gifted hitter yeah no he it's i don't think it's what he that he you know the way that he's kind of been passed around here isn't anything about him i think it's just the fact that he was so good so young that being able to have somebody that has that much like team control left you know what i mean him becoming like an available tradable player with two or three years of team control left is again how the the nationals get the prospect return that they got I've, I've said this a million times on this show, but I, I seriously just don't believe any of the Yankees' prospects for anything. Well, that's uh, why I, I'm looking at the list right now of who I, these... I, I'm, I'm still, like, trying to work on a time where I can sit and do a deep dive of, like, every trade they've done over the last, like, 15 years because there's no chance you'll be able to name a single player that they've traded as a prospect. A seven-player deal here. Juan Soto for six Yankees... And the only one that's really known is uh, uh, Trent Grisham, who will be now in the outfield. In well, there you go. So there, there's your there's your fourth outfielder when Judge and Soto are DHing. I forgot they got Grisham. Yeah. So Trent Grisham and, and Verdugo, obviously, uh, Ben are right out there. I but it's just it's a lot a lot of big signings, a lot of big trades this week, and it's been uh, unique to be able to talk about baseball yet we you know had two patriots games in the past uh you know six seven days so just i don't know how you feel about all these trades it's uh 
You know, is it good yeah, for baseball? I don't, I don't know what I don't understand what the the Braves are doing. They just you know they did the Kelnick trade, then they traded the pitcher, or they traded the catcher that they got to the White Sox, and in exchange for somebody, and then they made a trade with the the Angels to get David Fletcher and Max Stassi, and then they traded Max Stassi, or maybe they traded Max Stassi to the White Sox. I don't understand what's going on over there. They're getting like I don't know. I like David Fletcher. I like that move. Um, obviously, Jared Kelnick is pretty solid, but I'm pretty sure they're building up some kind of a base to go trade for Dylan Cease. I have a feeling, because right now, Jared Kelnick is kind of in a clogged outfield, obviously, with, like, you know, Acuna and Ozuna, and, you know, the guys that were on the team, I don't know about Ozuna, he batting like, 160 last year, but... Um, and then Von Grissom is the young kid that uh, is being, like, he, he has great power, I don't know, he's been, like, one of my favorite prospects on that team for the last couple of years, he's, like, a shortstop he's like a middle infielder outfielder with uh he's got good power and he's got speed and pretty much what the discussion was was when they traded for kelnick is all right well who's going to get that like that just because kelnick got traded for doesn't mean that he's going to be starting you know von grissom he's still going to have to fight von grissom for that starting spot my thought there is that they're going to just trade von grissom and probably package the pitcher that they got from seattle in that deal as like a uh you know the White Sox could probably just take anything at this point and try and throw it in. They're going to be the team to watch over the next couple of weeks because they are obviously a dumpster fire. They're talking about selling the team to Nashville. And uh, apparently Jerry Reinsdorf like got caught meeting with the, the mayor of Nashville or something like that. Oh, so, like, wow. It's not necessarily just, it, you know, that doesn't mean anything's going to happen, but it's, it's a little bit more than just a rumor at this point. Um. So they're they're a dumpster fire up there, and they have guys like you know Dylan Cease who's been getting talked about as being traded since June of last year. Um, he was a guy with two years of team control. So the, obviously the 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 packages that they were asking for for two years under the belt last year were too much. It didn't get the job done. But now with one year and the off season, if they can try and trade for like a full season of him too before going into you know obviously you're going to want to get him to sign the deal and everything while he's there. But um, yeah, Dylan Cease, you got. Luis Robert, I, I, I'm not sure if they would trade. Um, Eloy Jimenez, I think, will get traded. Uh, Yohan Moncada wouldn't shock me if he got traded. There's uh, a lot of teams out there that need a decent second baseman, and he's a switch-hitting, somewhat power-hitting second baseman. It would be one of the thoughts that I had last night was how funny would that be if the if the Red Sox traded for Yohan Moncada to play second base? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Give him up to get sale. You get your World Series, and you're like, all right, now that you've kind of developed him, why don't you come on back? We'll send you these guys. You guys can go develop those. We'll come back for these guys in a few years, too. But Well, some other signings that happen around the league is uh, heading to the NL uh, champion Arizona Diamondbacks. Eduardo Rodriguez signed a four-year, $80 million deal. Uh, Eduardo went through his best year of his career last year with the Dodgers or excuse me with the Tigers um and now you know he's gonna be averaging about 20 million dollars a year to play for a, a contender I guess in some ways where he hasn't been in you know five years yeah I don't know this is this is going to be uh the the whole Otani thing really got the juices flowing again though like that was like the the you remember how like off seasons used to be when we were like growing up when like the Mark Teixeiras of the world and, like, the Albert Pujols and, like, those kind of guys when you were just waiting on edge to be like, oh, my God, where are they going to go? 
And I feel like we haven't had that happen. In a couple since, years anyway. Yeah. It's been a while since we since like I've stopped everything I've been doing to wait for a player's uh you know what I mean? Like I didn't ever think that there was really that much of a shot that he was gonna end up in Boston. So like just the idea that you were waiting for the response from somebody who is probably not even going to play for your team, but you're so enthralled in it because you know wherever. Like the, I was de- I was a hundred percent sold on him going to the the Blue Jays for like two weeks now, and I was just preparing myself. I was I was about to write the the Red Sox were going to be the Patriots in my mind with the you know what I mean. You're in that kind of same division. You got your your Josh Allen's, your Tua's, your your Aaron Rodgers going into the season. You're just like, well, we're not going to compete, but it's going to be fun to watch. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yep. That's kind of how I was preparing for the next season, and then for him to you know not only stay on the West Coast but go to the National League, and uh, you know I'm not going to just say that like the Tyler O'Neill thing would made me just go, all right, we're contending now. But like, it was it's something. You know what I mean? Again, I'm not going to give up on Breslow yet. He got the juices flowing for me a little bit after that deal, especially, again, because we gave up nothing. But we also uh, we also had the Rule 5 draft during the time we were off, and I know I have to explain the Rule 5 draft every year. Um, but it's guys on your team that, aren't, that you don't have on the 40-man can basically, there's major league players and minor league players that if they're not on the 40-man can get drafted by any team and if they get drafted, they have to, like, if... Because we, we got pillaged in the Rule 5 draft this year. I think we lost, like, seven or eight players. Oof. I've never seen I've never seen that happen with any team before. Uh, we lost Shane Drowen to the White Sox, which this is kind of how that kind of thing might help out with us because we lost two players. The, the Cardinals took two players from us in the Rule 5 draft. Uh, again, to finish the Rule 5 draft explanation. When they get drafted, they have to stay on that team's 40-man roster. And again, this is kind of what happened with uh, what's his face that we sent to the Phillies last year, who's the the military guy. Yeah, yeah, yes, I can't think of his name. You have to be on the forty man roster, which means you basically have to be an active player during a game at like the whole season. And if they don't want, you know, if you're you're not pulling your weight or you're not gonna, if you're not like playing well enough to be on the club, and they release you, you automatically go back to the team that they drafted you from. And that team has to pay like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. Oof. So that's that's the Rule Five draft. So the the Red Sox lost like three pitching prospects at least. They also lost Ryan Fitzgerald, which uh, I don't. I know we kind of only love him for three weeks a year. He's like our spring training uh, legend for the Red Sox, who never seems to be able to crack the Major League Ball Club. He's going to the Royals next year, so be prepared to see a lot of Ryan Fitzgerald. Because I think him going to a team that will actually play him in the majors, he's going to be fun to watch. He's been, he's, I don't know, he was always fun to watch. He was even fun to watch, like, in the AAA games. But we lost two guys to the Cardinals. They drafted two guys from our team, which I think is what helped our trade with Tyler O'Neill become so little. Because technically we traded four players for Tyler O'Neill, And we just didn't have a choice in the matter of the other two. Well, we did because we let them become available. But... Uh, again, the White Sox took, I believe, one or two players from us again, including Shane Rowan, who going into the last season was a top five pitching prospect for us. So who knows? Maybe that maybe the the Red Sox are in on Dylan Cease, and they don't have to give up as much because they basically already gave them Shane Rowan. So there's one of your there's one of your good like pitching prospects that you get back in the deal. You know, so again, that's where. The White Sox and the rest of the league and people ready to make trades and like 
even the impending free agents that are still available. Like, well, the next, again, the next week or two, I would say right around like New Year's, maybe middle of by between now and the middle of January is going to get wild. Okay, all right. Another former Red Sox player going to a new team, Craig Kimbrell, heading to yeah. Baltimore in a one-year, thirteen million dollar contract. Right there, got excited about that one. Is that what was really missing for Baltimore last year? Was a, a bullpen and a closer? Well, no, it wasn't. But um, seeing how their their you know their rookie closer was pretty darn good. And, yeah, and he, Felix, he had Tommy John, so he's going to miss most of this next season. Felice Batista, that's right. He did get Tommy John. I, I forgot all about that on, in August. Um, so, yeah, 35 years old, Kimbrell is. And, well, I mean, he's com, uh, accumulated 332 saves in his big league career. So, and he knows what it's like to play in the AL East. So, I guess it's a pretty good signing for the Orioles. Yeah, I mean, you had the, again, the Orioles, who were maybe my favorite team last year to watch. They were just so much fun. Um, but you went into that season, you had a solid bullpen. You basically, from the seventh inning to the rest of the game between Yenier Cano and Felix Bautista, the game was over. Like, that was just one of those legendary, like, you know, lineups that, that we've all seen, you know, every so often where... You know, once you get to the seventh inning with a one-run lead, you're pretty much cooked. Um, obviously, with Bautista not going to be there, I think it's a great. That's why I think it's a great move for the Orioles. Is that now you're taking Yenier Cano, who was the rookie last year, who came up and was one of the best relievers in baseball. You don't have to be like, hey, well, way to kill it last year. We lost our big guy, so now you're going to be the closer. You know what I mean? This kind of takes a little bit off of Cano's shoulders, where he can kind of still be more of like a setup man role, and then they still have a guy like Kimbrell to come in on the back end and kind of finish the games. Um, whether or not he will be, you know, Cubs or Red Sox, you know, back end Red Sox Craig Kimbrell or Phillies Craig Kimbrell. Oh, that's, Craig that's exactly what I was letting you, you know, go into is the the Phillies are are happy that uh, he, he's, you know, heading out uh, into somewhere else. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. So he, he again, it's a, it's a gamble. Um, but obviously we all, we've all been seeing how the, uh, Orioles have been doing it the last couple of years. It also wouldn't shock me if a guy came out of nowhere on that team next year and just became another dude. <laughs> I still don't understand. I wish they would have kept Johan Duran. I, I don't understand what happened to Johan Duran. He was like the, the, he was like a fireballer on Minnesota who bounced around to like the Marlins and the Orioles last year. He was on the Orioles and got DFA'd a couple times. Like, he was a stud, and I feel like if they could figure him out and keep him in that bullpen, that would be a move. Um, but Luis Severino heading from the Yankees to the Mets doesn't have to really travel too much across the, the city, but still a one-year $13 million contract, and the Mets are trying to uh, upgrade their really depleted rotation. So that's a, uh, a decent signing right there for Luis Severino, who's been with the Yankees yeah, for a number of years. Kind of. Um I think it's a good move because you're getting a what used to be like a very bona fide, solid starting pitcher for very low money, even though it's a one year prove it deal. I just don't think that the Mets are the team that he was supposed to go to. Oh, OK. All right. Luis, Luis Severino is kind of in that spot now where he was like so bad last year that he needed to go. He needs to go to like 
a Dodgers or a Rays or like a, you know what I mean? Like, or, or even a Cleveland where they just do nothing but pump out pitching and can take a guy like that and be, and just take, you know, strip it down and take everything that was good with Severino and make it better. I don't see the Mets as the team that does that. Um, we, I mean, we saw how it worked with their big five of starting pitchers, and I'm pretty sure they haven't changed any of what they... I'm pretty sure that's the joke going around, is, like, their trainers and stuff are all the same guys from, like, Keith Hernandez and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I don't know if the the Mets were the right team for him, so who knows? He could come back on the prove-it deal and be somewhat good and then go get a real contract next year. Um, but yeah, Severino, that was a weird one. Again, I think it's the Mets just trying to take a player from the Yankees too. I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of everything going on with that one. That one's a weird one, but again, doesn't affect us. So not too worried about it. St. Louis has been popping off though with signing Kyle Gibson and, um, did they get Sonny Gray too? They got Sonny Gray. They did. And Kyle Gibson. Oh my God. And that's including Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson as well that the Cardinals have signed recently. So uh, they're doing something uh, out there in St. Louis to try to get themselves back on the, uh, the, the, the top of the NL central. Yeah. That, this is what we call a um, Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado are coming down to the last year or two of their deals in their prime. So if you don't, try and throw as much at the at the board and see what sticks, then they're going to be in rebuild mode real fast. And I'm curious to see how that's going to work with them because they're kind of going all in right now. And the they have, like, Brendan Donovan and Dylan Carlson as well as uh, Jordan Walker, who was, like, Jordan Walker has been, like, the, the crown jewel prospect like in single and double A or whatever for like the last like four or five years. And then he came up last year finally and he really didn't like, I don't know. He got sent back down a couple of times. He didn't, he never really like, he had like a, I think he had like a great like week or something like that. And then never kind of stuck with it. So it could be one of those things where maybe they, maybe they're going to try, you know, they're building the rotation. Obviously they just traded away Tyler O'Neill. They lost Harrison Bader last year to the Yankees. Um, and they lost, and they traded obviously Jordan Montgomery away to, and they they traded Jordan Montgomery away to the to, to the Rangers, and then I, I'm pretty sure they traded Jordan Hicks to the Blue Jays. So they're down a they're down a, a, a good relief pitcher. They just got three starters, so we could be seeing somebody move into the bullpen. Well, Sonny Gray went eight and eight with a two point seven nine ERA for the Minnesota Twins last year. So he only you know. Sonny Gray only was eight and eight with a two point seven nine ERA, but this, he was good though. He was dealing. He uh, was dealing. Three year deal, um, you know, is signed till twenty twenty seven right now. Um, is includes a thirty million dollar team option for twenty twenty seven with a five million dollar buyout, which could make the agreement worth a hundred million dollars over four seasons. So, uh, the Cardinals really are doing uh, doing their thing and trying to make things better. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, we're gonna have to see if they try and trade either Jordan Walker or Dylan Carlson. That that's what I think will show what what they're trying to do right now. Because if you trade one of those two young guys, you're you are saying that like, you know, they could have either decided to blow it up this off season or try and push for a contender again. And last year was crazy the way that they went into that season and just completely like bottomed out and went 
like had a ridiculous record and like were in last place. Like I, nobody expected that. They were supposed to be like you know a top three team in that division, top two maybe. So I'm pretty sure like it's still there. I think maybe adding these kind of pieces will be there. That's why I'm wondering if trading like a Dylan Carlson or a Jordan Walker to get like another something. You know what I mean? Just like a, something that they don't need a pitcher, obviously, but maybe you maybe you get like a, a a catcher and a and a relief pitcher, a catcher and a closer or something like that for for one of those guys, or maybe a, a package of some lesser prospects mixed in with one. I don't know. So they're they're another team to watch for. I think the the Cincinnati Reds are another team to watch for right now because um, we obviously saw how competitive they were last year with not a lot going on. So. You know, the some of the discussion has been whether or not uh, jo- Jonathan India will be a guy that they're going to be looking to trade. And I, I heard I was listening to John Boy this morning, and they were talking about that scenario, like that situation. And what they were saying kind of makes a lot of sense. Is you had like five or six prospects come up last year that people were talking about: your Spencer Steers, your Encarnacion Strands, your obviously uh, what's his name. Big tall man. For which team again? The Reds. Oh, mm, let me go quickly to theirs. Oh my god, I can never remember these guys' names when I'm talking about them, but I'll I'll remember it as soon as we get off. But either way, um, India has been solid, and he has less team control. I think what they were saying, and what I kind of agree with, is you take like a Spencer Steer or an Encarnacion Strand, and you try and trade one of them because they're at their peak value right now. They had one good season. You don't know if they're going to be able to keep it up, but they could. So now do you take one of those guys and trade them for like another starting pitcher? Because that's kind of where they're lacking right now. They had uh, Ashcraft last year or whatever his name was, who was like third in Cy Young. That kind of came out of nowhere. So they have like two-ish guys that – that's why I kind of thought Sonny Gray might go back to Cincinnati. Who knows? Maybe we see a, another name that hasn't come up yet that's been bothering me in it. Maybe not bothering me because maybe something's going down on the sly, hopefully with the Red Sox, but Trevor Bauer, why not go back to Cincinnati? Yeah, that's a... Why Why have we not heard anything about Trevor Bauer yet? Why haven't the Red Sox just gone out and done that? If the Red Sox could get Jordan Montgomery and Yamamoto and Trevor Bauer going into next season, that's a completely different team outlook, and there's no way Bauer's going to be looking for, you know, Yamamoto money, or, you know what I mean? Him and Montgomery are probably going to get similar money. I think a lot of teams are worried about the backlash of possibly signing, uh, even though it was proved that he really didn't do anything wrong. Um, it's still, a, I don't know if anything wrong is the right term, but he definitely was uh, getting played um, by you know this uh, this woman down in uh, Los Angeles. So um, kind of a tough spot for Trevor to be in, and that's kind of ruining his career and. I understand why he's he's suing back because it's, it's definitely not right for for what he's got to deal with right now. So yeah. time it's will a, tell with that. But you you got you definitely have a great point. And I you know looking at the Reds, I feel bad for Spencer Steer because he actually had a phenomenal season last year. But everyone was all, all they could talk about for you know early into May and June was Ellie De La Cruz being the yeah, sensation. Ellie De La Cruz. That's where that's what I figured you were yeah. talking about. But I mean, again, you got that you got that that infield locked up. Who knows? Maybe maybe they get Joey Votto back on a one year deal. Still don't know what's going on with him. 
I mean, Ellie, for only playing 60 less games, had still five more strikeouts than Spencer Steer did in the whole entire season. Um, so strikeouts were a big thing for... I mean, Ellie led the team in strikeouts with 144. So you got a big bat, you sometimes swing hard, and sometimes you swing and miss a lot. So... That's, Unless we forget the Reds had Adam Dunn, so they're used to this. Yeah, they they certainly. Oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, well, I look forward to hearing what Cam has. How many games Cam goes to this year in Cincinnati? Because that's uh, obviously he can look. He can look in the the ballpark from his apartments. So yeah. I, again, though, Votto would be kind of interesting to go back to Cincinnati. I'm like, I don't know. I don't. I I want to know what's going on with Votto. Like, is he going to play this year? Is he retired? Like. I feel like I could only ever see him going back to the Reds or maybe going to play in Toronto. You know what I mean? Like I see that for like sure. Which Toronto? DH I mean, bench player in Toronto. In Toronto, the uh, the amount of like interest that I saw from Otani with the Blue Jays was wild. That it just did not go through. Um, I follow. I'm, like, shocked about that. I mean, to know that they had a uh, a look on planes to see if Otani was coming into town. Um, hilarious that they were completely wrong and they actually end up being like a canadian billionaire um, it was the guy from shark tank yeah exactly so that's why like <laughs> they were so wrong on that um yeah but i mean that people people do this for college football coaches like multiple times a year so it's not crazy that the the biggest baseball player on planet earth is also having this happen but i mean everything that you could line up to talk about for the blue jays about them getting like it all made perfect sense he, he would be able to take over a third country. Their owner is, like, one of the top five richest guys in the world, and he owns, like, most things in, in, in Canada. Like, he's, like, the owner of, like, that bank or whatever. For like they, He owns yeah. the stadium, the whole area. Like, they got money there. So, like, he would have he been totally fine with, you know, $600 million on top of being, like, oh, I'm also just going to put your face on everything across this entire country. <laughs> and then we're going to make double that, and we'll, I'll give you another $300 million on the side for that, too. You know what I mean? So it all kind of made sense. Obviously, you still have a young team with, like, Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero where they haven't actually gotten really paid yet. So it would have been the perfect scenario to drop in a guy like Shohei to come off the bench when you got – Again, Bichette, Guerrero, Otani. Like, are you kidding me? Um, but I don't know. I, I, there was also something that I heard about where um, technically if you play in Toronto, the, the the viewer ratings don't count the same way as if you play in America. Oh. So you if you want to put your tinfoil hat on, there could have been something where maybe, I don't know, this isn't David Stern's MLB as far as I'm concerned. But who knows? Maybe that could have had something to do with like, oh, no, you guys just aren't getting him because then we won't make as much money off of it. Um, I That's, again, if you want to put your tinfoil hat on and David Stern hat, during the whole time where it was being talked about that he was flying to Toronto, it also kind of crossed my mind where it was like, okay, well, maybe he's starting at Toronto and he's doing all of his Northeast visits. It, it makes sense. It, you, can, you can do it all in one day if you want to. Boston's only three hours, four hours away. So, like, I was thinking my only – the only time for about an hour and a half that I maybe thought that we had a chance at Otani was that if he was going to go to Toronto for a visit, he might have been able to stop in Boston. And maybe, just maybe, after the Juan Soto trade, Rob Manfred would, would have just been like, uh, John Henry, you're going to pay Shohei Otani, 
and then we're all going to make a billion dollars off of the next decade of Sunday night baseballs between Red Sox, Yankees, and Juan Soto versus Shohei Otani. Yeah, that was kind of like that was where my tinfoil hat was on, where I was just like, oh, maybe, maybe they just give us Otani because they want the rivalry back. Like, oh, you know, Garrett Cole, what's his face that they signed last year for two hundred eighty-five million, who barely played. Aaron Judge, Juan Soto versus you know Shohei Otani, Rafael Devers, and you know Yamamoto and the Red Sox like that. That's that's printing money all on, all on its own. Obviously, not going to happen now. Um, Let's just which fire. is also kind of just to get rid of the last couple thoughts about this Otani stuff. I was still kind of shocked about the not you know the number makes sense because again you're losing half of it to taxes, but. L.A. is also, like, not a new baseball market for Otani. Like, he's he's been there for five, six years now. I think that's what kind of helped is it's a lot closer to Japan as well. Um, uh, that the, no, that doesn't – that's the that's the early 2000s method of signing Japanese baseball players. Nobody cares about that anymore. It's – I don't understand it, – it's, it's the chance to win, and it's the ability to spend money, and it's look at what we've done over the last 10 years. That's what got him there. I'm not – it has nothing to do with going back to Japan. A plane, you can get on a plane and go to Japan from anywhere in the world. Nobody cares about that anymore. I think it really just comes to, like, I don't, I don't know. I just don't feel like him going to the Dodgers does what it could, what he could have done to the to the league by going to a different market. Like that's where I would have figured he would have maybe crossed like the six hundred mark in like a in like a for like the Cubs or the Red Sox or something because it's like you're now introducing an entire mar- new market. Where it's like, I bet you there was a lot of Dodgers fans who don't take the Angels seriously, who bought all the Shohei gear and went to Shohei games at Angel Stadium because they were like, oh, this team's junk. I'm just here to watch this guy. I'm still a Dodgers fan, and I still have all this Otani gear. You know what I mean? Again, with obviously the fan base being what it is in L.A. is another conversation. But I don't know. That 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 was what also I thought was weird. Again, the, yes, he's not new to the market, but it's also new everything else. New jerseys, new color, new team, new everything. So maybe it's just the fact that they'll get that kind of a, a jump on the, the money sales and stuff is because it's a new team. But I don't know. I just I thought that was weird, too. <laughs> I thought it was wild to know that he's going to be making more money than the Baltimore Orioles and Oakland Athletics this year. The Orioles payroll is... Well, no, he won't because he'll only probably take home, like, 22 million this season so well, probably so not but what they're paying be- before taxes is the Orioles have a 60.9 million dollar salary and the Oakland Athletics have a 56.9 so he's um he's he's up there I mean to know that the highest uh salary before was 43.3 million for Verlander and Scherzer and now here you are getting 70 million dollars um <laughs> But, yeah, I get what you're saying with taxes, but you know what? These guys are all dealing with taxes as well. Um, so. Yeah, but how much more angry are you going to be when you're told you're getting paid $700 million and you're really getting, like, 380 400 you know, $450? I think uh, at this rate, it's just money, uh, and they're going to be set for yeah, a long time. Yeah, Anything above, like, probably $200 million, you're probably not – you probably don't notice anymore. No, you're like, oh, shucks. Um, forgot to – pay my mortgage again <laughs> i don't i don't think that happens but <laughs> no i don't think i think they're pretty good but 29 years old and uh yeah, yeah the celebrations in japan were were wild they all went to his high school they they're just it's uh pandemonium after that came out yesterday 
And I thought it was very nice what he had written for and posted. Uh, obviously, he'll talk more at the press conference at some point or another. But he, he wrote a really nice thing saying uh, nothing but high praise for the Angels and stuff like that. Um, basically, to all the fans and everyone involved in the baseball world, I apologize for taking so long to come to a decision. I decided to choose the Dodgers as my team. Um, first of all, I would like to express my sincere gratitude to everyone involved with the Angels organization and the fans who have supported me over the past six years, as well as to everyone involved with each team that was part of the negotiation process, especially to the Angels fans who supported me through the ups and downs. Your guys' support and cheers meant the world to me. The six years I spent with the Angels will remain etched in my heart forever. And to the Dodgers fans, I pledge to always do what's best for the team and always continue to give it my all to be the best version of myself until the last day of my playing career. I want to continue to strive forward, not only for the Dodgers, but for the baseball world. There are some things that cannot be conveyed in writing. So I would like to talk more about this at a later press conference. Thank you very much. So Shohei Otani right there saying some pretty nice things. Um, I mean, how do you feel about it? Like, I feel like the Dodgers are, are just like another one of those teams where it's like, Even with Mookie going to another team, it was like, okay, like, it's the Dodgers. Like, the worst-case scenario here is we go up against them in the World Series. And if we're already in the World Series, then clearly I'm not too worried about that. But, I don't know, it just doesn't do anything for me. Like, if it was in Toronto, you know what I mean? It would have been like, okay, now he's on a division rival. It would have been sick because he would have been at Fenway all the time. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Him going to the Dodgers, like, doesn't... it does it just as much for me as him being on the angels. Like it doesn't affect us. It doesn't, the Dodgers are never really a team that we care to follow or be like fans of or anything. So it's like, I'm not going to, I mean, I'll watch more Dodgers games, but I was watching Dodgers games for Mookie anyway. So like, I don't know. It, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't, that's what I mean. This doesn't, him going to the Dodgers doesn't move the needle the way it should have for a player like that. It moves the needle because it's $700 million. But it doesn't move the needle for like anything else. Yeah, so uh, that's why it's going to be wild to see. And <clears throat> I mean, Anthony, which would you rather be right now, the Patriots or the Red Sox with their future? The Red Sox, one hundred percent. We have a farm system. <laughs> NFL doesn't even have farm teams. You got uh, you got drafting and then uh, and hoping uh, and practice squad players. So um, it's it's a weird. Wait, we spot. still have a Tristan Cassis coming in on year two. We still have a Willier Abreu coming in for a rookie season. We still have, you know, we still have things to look forward to. The The Patriots have nothing to look forward to. Well, after the and other day. After being at Fenway or at Gillette Stadium for the first time this season last week and being a part of the worst team in the league going up against a team that can't seem to play football well either, it was abysmal. It was uh it was tough to, it was a tough sight to see. Yeah, that's why I want to kind of switch into some football talk here and you, yeah, you went to the the Chargers game last Sunday, a 6-0 victory by the Los Angeles Chargers and a very wet and miserable Gillette Stadium. Oh, is is that the right way to describe that, Anthony? I, yeah, I I'm still mad at myself for even agreeing to it because I knew it was going to be a bad game and it was an awful weather. It's uh, the, I've been to some awful games myself there, and I totally understand because it wasn't like it was very warm either. Um, seeing how we were getting some snow up here, uh, and you just to see that they had nothing going to score zero points 
And I mean, what what was the what was the chance like? Was it a, a, was it supportive of Bailey? Was it not supportive? I, what was you know? Describe to me what the the fan was. I mean, it was empty as for the, the most empty I've ever seen Gillette Stadium as well that day. Yeah. No. I mean, it wasn't even the fact that people were like rooting for Bailey Zappi. It was just like 100% negativity around ever. I I did not hear a good thing said at all the entire like there there was no like oh come on zappy there was no like there was really nothing there was just more of like a oh boy i can't wait to see what we do with this one you know what i mean kind of thing again it was unlike anything i've ever been a part of obviously going to tons and tons of games all over the country throughout the brady era and even most of the mac era a lot of my you know a lot of the away games that i went to the last couple of years mac jones was still the quarterback but like you know, the fans were still there in Charlotte. The fans were there in Arizona. The fans were there in Houston with Mac Jones. Um, I don't think we'll ever see that again. I, I mean, I, I I applaud the defense of the Patriots because they, I mean, to know they went three games in a row with scoring uh, less than 10 points and to lose all three of those games and they're, 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 they're showing up. It's just Bailey Zappi went 13 of 25, 141 yards his leading receiver was Devontae Parker, who was then on Thursday didn't play. Um, Ezekiel Elliott has been looked great the past couple games. He ran for in your game 17 attempts for 52 yards while also catching four passes for 40 yards. So at least Zeke has been a, a definitely a big uh, fun signing for the Patriots this season. Um, obviously. Getting a little bit more time with Ramondre Stevenson being injured right now, which is uh, unfortunate, a high ankle sprain for him. Uh, yeah, one of the first times this year I actually started him in my fantasy lineup, and he got 27 points. For for Ramondre or for No, for Zeke. Zeke. Oh, okay, all right. That's why I was making sure that I, I had the yeah, right player. I couldn't believe it. I, I just had to throw him in because it was between like him and, like I don't know, Jalen Hyatt or something like that, and I was like, oh, boy, here we go, like – Going into the playoffs, mind you, I'm worrying about uh, starting whether or not I want to start Ezekiel Elliott. I've been. I think I've right now you got to fantasy. You, you got no one else in the Patriots backfield that's doing anything because Ramondre is not going to be back for some time. No, do you remember like the last like I don't know 25 years? Every time we've had a running back, there's always been like the the Kevin Harris or the the Ben Jarvis Green Ellis's or like the the Shane Vereens, you know, the, the backup White. guy where you can't really tell who's the starter because they're both in just as much and they both go off and ha- you know what I mean? We don't have we don't have like any of those like two and three string guys that like you don't really know about but they every time, you know, the the Belichick, fi- you know, bargain bin finds that we that we're used to. So I, I mean, again, I really just think we're mailing it in. I, uh, the, the win against the Steelers really blew my mind. I did not understand what the point of that was. Um, I think obviously it just kind of slipped away. No, I think that uh, there's there's three teams that Belichick does not ever want to lose to, and one of them is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, it seems like Belichick is Mike Tomlin's daddy. Um, and to know that I, I couldn't even tell you how many times that Pittsburgh has beaten the Patriots in, in since I've been well, following and football. And that's why I was like, kind of like going into the game, just being like, all right, Bill, just, you know, get this one over with. Like, you know, Tomlin is always going to try his hardest because he can't have that losing record. And this is a freebie for him. Like you could, he could take this game from you. You can get a better draft pick. 
he can keep up his legacy or whatever. Like, it was the perfect match of, like, two teams that suck and... Well, I mean, you got to remember that the Steelers going into Thursday were in the playoffs. They they were a wild card spot. And now with this loss, they've actually fallen out. And then now they have to worry about who's possibly going to be able to lose today. So to know that the, the Jets, the Bills, and the Steelers are the three wins for the Patriots this year. And look at their you know, rivals. They definitely have... A, yeah, we need a... We need a Cardinals win today, bad. Yeah, and and that's why looking at the standings uh, now with three wins, the uh, the Patriots' chances of getting a uh, top two pick have kind of dwindled a little bit more. But you still got uh, you know the the Cardinals, the Panthers, Carolina Panthers at one eleven, uh, most likely are going to get the number one spot. But now the Arizona Cardinals at three and ten. They uh, they won last week to get their third win and to see what they are, are going to have to do today. Uh, they're facing the 49ers, so my the odds of that are very slim right now. Oh, excuse me. They're on a, are they on a bye this week? They're on a bye this week. Never mind. Washington is, yeah, which is screwing me. I don't understand why there's bye weeks this late. Like, it's almost the first week of the playoffs, and now I have to go into, like, a game that makes the difference on whether or not I get, like, a bye or where I get seated for the playoffs, and I have to bench Sam Howell and Brian Robinson because they're not playing today. Yeah, that's those are both. Uh, I'm starting huge. Zach Wilson again because oh. Smith isn't playing. I have Gardner Minshew and Zach Wilson on a team that's the three seed going into the playoffs. I'm so screwed. Oh boy. Well, Anthony, what's? Uh, I know we we've been talking through text and stuff like that, but what's your uh, your time frame for the next? Yeah, well, we're gonna do the station ID in a few. So if you want to go into that kind of stuff after that, and I'll take the next like ten minutes to get all my stuff together, and then I should be able to either pop right back in or I'll call back in when I get in the car. Perfect. Okay, that's why I was just trying to uh, to verify what yep. you're uh, you were needing to do here. Uh, and you are right. You're, we are gonna hit the uh, the top of the hour here. Um, right. so it's, uh, no, no, just keep, keep an eye on your phone. I'll let you know what's up. Gotcha. I appreciate that. Well, Anthony D'Alessandro will be, uh, heading out, uh, in just for now. And we'll be back calling in through the Skype. So phone lines are open 603-250-6007. If anyone would like to call in again, 603-250-6007. You're listening to Off the Mark Sports here on 95.3 WMH with your host, Kyle Heavey. Glad to be with you on this day. And I gotta say, Today is going to be a kind of a, a wild day for weather-wise, so I just want everyone to remain safe over tonight. We're going to most likely be losing some powers around the state with a mixture of snow and rain and wind, so it's going to be uh, pretty vicious around here for December 10th and uh, not the time of year that you want to be dealing with that, but that's just what Mother Nature is throwing at us here. But, uh, yeah, we are at the top of the hour. We're going to take a quick break here and be back with more Off The Mark Sports. You are listening to WMNHLP, Manchester's radio, broadcasting at 95.3 megahertz frequency modulation from the top of 1000 Elm Street. Our studios are located at 1045 Elm Street and licensed to Manchester Public Television Service in Manchester, New Hampshire, USA. Contact us by email at WMNH953 at gmail.com or through our website, at WMNHradio.org. I 
Hour number two here. Coming at you live off the mark sports. Kyle Heavey here in the studios. Phone lines again open 603-250-6007. And uh, obviously last night another big thing that <clears throat> happened was the uh, the in-season tournament playing out there in Las Vegas between the Indianapolis Indianapolis Indiana Pacers, I guess they play in Indianapolis, but the Indiana Pacers and the Los Angeles Lakers. And congratulations to the Lakers. They get the NBA Cup, I guess is the right term for it. Uh, A nice $500,000 bonus to go into this. uh, Continue playing for the rest of the season. And I, I actually did watch this championship game. I just want to see what the hoopla is all about. I obviously people are saying that LeBron, I mean, getting this, uh, another ring, I guess it's a ring. It's just, to me, it's not, they got a trophy. They got them. Really? The bonus is really what it comes down to. Why why does anyone want to play so hard this early in the season for a, a, a half ring? I guess to me, it just really made no sense. Uh, I was, I think that Adam Silver sees a lot more with this potential than uh, what I see from it. But you're you're, you're playing for the last end of the year championship, not a uh, a championship for December 9th. But again, half a million dollars is a uh, pretty good victory uh, bonus in this season here. So the uh, Anthony Davis, 41 points, 20 rebounds, five assists, and four blocks too. He played a great game, but. The uh, MVP trophy went to LeBron James. He added 24 points, 11 rebounds, and four assists. And uh, it just, I don't know. If I was rooting for the Pacers, the Pacers destroyed the uh, Celtics when they played last week. Not a good look for the Celtics at all. They had to play in the runner-up game between the New York Knicks, and they were able to beat the Knicks uh, with a 133-123 victory. But Obviously, you, no one wants to play for third place. Nah, that's what the in-season tournament did. Obviously, I had, as I talked about last week, I did not like the way that they decided that it was going to come down to points and how the uh, the Celtics were able to take down the the Bulls last week was just uh, pretty just un, unethical in some ways. It was just morally wrong. But... I gotta say, Tyrese Halliburton has come into his own and looked phenomenal in the game that uh, he was able to beat the Celtics with 26 points, had a triple-double in the game, and seven defensive rebounds, three offensive rebounds for 10 assists, or for 10 rebounds, and led the team in assists with 13. So Tyrese Halliburton, and I, I like this Indiana, Indiana Pacers team. So far, they've really given it to the Celtics each time that they have played each other. And what's going to happen going forward if they have to play them in the the um, playoffs is going to be very interesting. And I, I apologize. I was wrong. On November 1st, the Celtics scored 155 points to beat them in that game. But from what I saw from them and what the Pacers have been doing over the past couple of weeks has been pretty impressive. So no... Extra bonus for the Celtics as much as I would have liked to see them win. Uh, overall, they are 16-5 and five on the year. Not bad, not bad. They have a two-game lead on the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't think there's too much to worry about. This team will be going to the playoffs 
where the standings will be at that point, it will be the, the question mark. But right now, leading the Eastern Conference are your Boston Celtics. And behind them, a game and a half, two teams, one of them I was not expecting in the Orlando Magic to be looking this good so far. The Magic are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games, while the Celtics are 7-3. and three. And then obviously you got the Milwaukee Bucks, who we all know as a very dangerous team, especially with uh, getting Dame Lillard. A uh, Lillard, excuse me. Um, it's it's wild to see what uh, what the NBA is consisting of, and I'm glad to see them getting back into their normal way of playing, and not this in season tournament because the the court was a little too odd to me. Um, Maybe it's just me as being an old man about this. I I still watched it. Also, what Adam Silver wanted was people to watch it, but I just felt like it was really uh, not necessarily needed uh, this early in the season to have this uh, this tournament going on. But uh, that money is money, and that's what's uh, gonna work for the the NBA and getting more fans to watch baseball or watch basketball and everything like that. Try and talk too fast because I got a lot to go on before we have to make our picks. And going into Monday, there's no games today, but on Monday there will be a uh, back to the regular season action. And the Celtics actually don't even play until Tuesday, so they get a, some nice time off, I guess, to relax, heal up. They'll be facing the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are decent this year so far, thirteen and nine. And uh, it'll be some home cooking. I'm glad to see that the Parquet floor will be back in the, to its regular form and can only hope that the Celtics can uh, continue their winning ways because it's been uh, certainly fun to watch as much as, uh, you know, getting third place was not the, the best thing. The other thing that I've been watching is a lot of the Boston Bruins action and uh, to get the, the victory yesterday, another matinee day, a one o'clock start yesterday against the... Arizona Card Coyotes and to see a 5-3 win with David Pasternak getting two goals and Pasternak looked uh, pretty good. He also had an assist in the game as well and Charlie Coyle was able to get on the scoreboard as well scoring his 10th of the year. So Coyle is actually putting the the puck in the net a lot more than what we've seen. Obviously he's got to step up his game for the for this team to really do well as Charlie Coyle has been very good and at the standings for this, the Bruins are leading the Eastern Conference right now. The New York Rangers have started to dwindle a little bit, but overall, the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights leading the National Hockey League with 41 points. That's with two games in hand, though. And the Boston Bruins are in second place with 39 points. So all it takes is a uh, a tie or a win and a couple you know things in the. Just, I'm loving this uh, this this Bruins team again. I again, they were not expected to be this good in this season so far, but they are able to uh, continue doing pretty well. Obviously, to see them lose to the Buffalo Sabers the other day was not what I was hoping to see. That was a uh, a little sad and on my end to watch them lose three to one on Thursday night with uh, just they could not get great opportunities. And I can't say that Will Levies was uh, not, excuse me, not Will Levies. That's Devon Levy was able to uh, make some great saves, just could not get the uh, the puck past him. The 31 saves, Brad Marchand did have uh, a goal in that game. Five in a row that he has 
uh, he had at the time because he scored a hat trick against the Blue Jackets on last Sunday, right after the show. And then he's also able to score the game winner in the Saturday game against the Toronto Maple Leafs last week. So Bruins have looked good. They will be off until Wednesday when they travel down to New Jersey. Not that far of a travel, but a 7.30 start on Wednesday. So it will be interesting to see what the uh, the Bruins can do against the New Jersey Devils. Uh, Devils and not having the best time right now as they are still decent with uh, 29 points, but again, that's 10 less than the Bruins and 14-10-1 record compared to the Bruins that have 18-5-3. Overtime losses are a little bit frustrating. You want to get those to be wins, but time will tell, and if they can stay in the number one spot with uh, a home record of 10-2-1, it's not bad, but their last 10, the Bruins have got to get things going a little bit better, 5-4-1 in their last 10, so... Uh, a little more losses than we would like to see, but uh, again, we're talking about hockey in December 10th, so there's plenty of time to to get things rolling here. I saw some other sports talk, sports news that I uh, thought was very unique. Uh, just uh, the U.S. skier, obviously, uh, we love Michaela Schifrin, who was able to win another championship here, but... One of her teammates, downhill skier Breezy Johnson, under investigation by the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, and she will not race while the case is going on. This could lead to a two-year ban. Skiing, to me, is wild to think that you're doping because I don't understand how hard it is to, uh, to... I guess you need strength to be able to use the flats and get out of the gates and stuff like that, but it's downhill. You're going so fast as it is. That you have to dope, possibly 27 years old. Uh, obviously, finished uh, in seventh place in the 2018 Olympics in South Korea, where teammate Lindsey Vaughn took bronze. So she's obviously uh, been on the cusp of being great, but to now know that there's an investigation for doping for being a skier, I I would definitely impressive to see what uh, what comes of this because again, I would not have thought that. Uh, having to be stronger uh, to to ski when really it's all about going downhill and aerodynamics and stuff like that. That's just my opinion on that. That's just what it is. And uh, it's uh, just a wild thing to see what's going on here. Uh, John Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies is about to finish up his 25-game suspension and... It looks like Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, says he has plans to have individual check-ins with the star guard of the Grizzlies as um, has been monitoring monitoring the situation closely with him. In fact, we intend to have a check-in with him this weekly directly. Uh, tough when you kind of can't get away from your past and have to... Uh, you know, really keep a gun on you in all possessions, even though you are a multimillionaire and trying to keep your friends uh, above water as well. And we've seen it with uh, with many stars in the past. It doesn't always work very well to uh, to want to do that. You sometimes have to get away and uh, and find your own trajectory in life. And hopefully, John Morant can figure this out because it's not a a good look to be a uh, you know. 
you're you're an icon. You're an idol. There's people that want to buy your jerseys. They want to buy, be there to see you play and cheer for you and play like you. Um, you're not a you know Charles Barkley says he is not a role model back in the day, but really you are a role model, and that's uh, that's where things are with um, NBA players. Whether you like it or not, your your people kids are filling those seats. They are paying their allowances to want to be there in uh, in the stadiums, in the arenas to watch you. And, uh, well, just not always the smart decisions. Who knows? Obviously, there's alcohol involved with that in a lot of ways. But uh, it is what it is. And yesterday, two big things in college football as well as they had the Heisman Trophy presentation and Jaden Daniels' historic Heisman winning season for LSU and his gut was able to take home the Heisman Trophy. And, uh, you know, LSU not in the top six of the final season, but he was uh, able to do it with a, just a phenomenal type of playing. And if he decides he wants to come into the uh, the draft, then it's going to be uh, certainly a, an option to go in the uh, top five for sure. It's just the third Heisman Trophy winner from LSU joining Joe Burrow in 2019, and then Billy Cannon in 1959. He had 3,500 passing yards and 1,000 rushing yards this season, becoming the first SEC player to do it since Johnny Manziel in 2012. Man, Johnny Manziel, you got to think about that. It's, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago that he was uh, really one of the best players in the league, but or in the college football and where he is now. But uh Congratulations to the star quarterback. And I, I do have some um, some of his speech here. We'll kind of take a quick listen to this. Uh, obviously, a lot of celebration there with uh, the big trophy. And uh, obviously, who doesn't like a, a Heisman trophy to uh, to really make things better? So uh, take a quick listen to what uh, Jaden Daniels had to say during his Heisman trophy speech. And we'll be right back with this as I unmuted first that's the guy you know for all the glory he's my rock my savior um he blessed me with the talents and ability to get here all the special people here to develop these skills to Bo, mike and marvin you guys are amazing i enjoy watching y'all but the competition is never over i look forward to seeing you guys on sundays i'd like to start to think with a few thank thank yous i learned from previous winners the first lesson of becoming a great quarterback you got to thank your old line first Thank you guys for getting me here today in one piece. I know it wasn't easy. You know, I scramble around a lot, but you know, I love you guys. <laughs> I have so many coaches to thank. My high school coach, Nick Rogers, he is here. Um, thank you for believing a 14-year-old freshman uh, to start on varsity. I probably weighed 140 pounds. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you. Taylor Kelly, thank you for helping me elevate my game, taking me to the new heights and the next level. Well, we'll see where Jaden Daniels ends up in his future, and most likely will be an NBA or NFL star in due time. Another big thing yesterday, the rivalry like no other, the Army-Navy game was held in Foxborough, Massachusetts. I thought this was great to finally get it away from uh, the typical home places, and to have it in, uh, in Foxborough was pretty awesome with Robert Kraft being there. Bill Belichick was there, obviously, with his Navy uh, background. 
And it was a, a really good game. It came down to really a uh, goal line stand for Army to be able to beat Navy by a final score of 17 to 11. At that point, the goal line stand it was 17 to 9. And Navy needed to get this touchdown and a two-point conversion to be able to get back in the game. But instead, Army came out very strong. And Army linebacker Caleb Fortner um, was able to score for Army as well on a fourth-quarter strip sack that helped stuff Navy quarterback. Uh, just a wild scene down there in Foxborough. The energy of Foxborough was has not been felt like that in a game in uh, well at least since September. So it was a, a a great time. I'm glad to see that they were able to do that. And now you know it, Belichick, who has a rich history with the Navy, his dad obviously would coach there. And uh, Boston's near the ocean; it's not that far for the uh, the Navy cadets to get their ships up here. And a great experience down there. I did not go to it, but uh, it's been the Second time since 1926 that America's game had left the Mid-Atlantic region in the first trip to Massachusetts where George Washington took command of the Continental Army <clears throat> and where the U.S. Constitution, the world's oldest commissioned naval ship, is docked. So a lot of history both for uh, Navy and Army up here in New England and to see that uh, nearly 100 buses carried students from Annapolis and West Point, New York, to Foxborough, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of fans, a lot of people in attendance, and the college football season is over for the regular season. And now we'll look forward to seeing what the uh, the bowl games will consist of. There's obviously a Fenway Bowl, there's a Orange Bowl, there's a Cotton Bowl, there's a lot of bowls, and we we'll look forward to seeing what's going to happen with the uh, the 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 final four and who might be able to get the championship. And I know that a lot of Michigan fans were not excited at all to be able to uh, have to deal with Alabama this time. And then it will be very interesting to see the, uh, the Washington game as well as uh, a lot of going on with college football. And I want to congratulate also uh, Washington's um uh, Quarterback in Michael Penix Jr. won the Maxwell Award given to the nation's best all-around player, while Peyton Wilson of North Carolina State won the Chuck Benrick Award as the top defensive player, as well as the Dick Buck Dick Buckus Award as the top linebacker. So kind of a unique spot for Michael Penix Jr. winning the nation's best all-around player, but does not win the Heisman Trophy. I don't know how that exactly works, but... Uh, Penix will get the last laugh with uh, with playing in possibly a national championship game in a few weeks. Time will tell with that. The other big thing was uh, Ohio State's Marvin Harrison Jr., who is the nation's top wide receiver, looking like he might come into the M NFL, but at the same time, he has one year remaining of eligibility at Ohio State. He has said that he wants to stay possibly and try to beat Michigan in the uh the the championship game for the the um, I can't think of the right right term right now the Big Ten championship game there we go and wants to uh, to be able to stay I mean he's making as much money for uh, for college uh, signings as he would in the NFL so 
time will tell what Marvin Harrison Jr. will want to do here because it's a uh, a tough spot to be in for him to. Does he stay and become stay a kid and go one more year in the uh, playing at Ohio State, or is he gonna go and play in the NFL and um, possibly you know? Ha- I don't know. I for me, Marvin Harrison Jr. as much as he could play in the NFL, he, he's going to be a phenomenal player if he stays in college football and has uh, a big upside. Any team would love him, all 32 teams in the NFL. But if he wants to stay and be a kid some more and you know, go to get his college degree, I uh, I absolutely uh, support him in that decision that, and that. So, Did um, you see what that idiot fan said online the other day? I know. I don't know what you're speaking of here. Some guy came out like almost like he was some sort of reporter, and he was just like, "Yeah, just so people are aware, Patriots fans don't want Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr. because they don't like his dad." <laughs> that is absolute malarkey, right there. Uh, that is, I thought that was hilarious. I I would love got, to have his uh, if his son can play anything like his dad. Absolutely, I would. I'll be more than happy yeah, to take him. He got roasted for it, but it was a. Uh, it was still pretty funny. Wow, that's I I I'm I totally see why that guy would get roasted for sure. So, um, obviously we uh, are running out of time in some ways, so we're gonna get into our pickups this week. And for the first time uh, in a, ever with you, Anthony, I'm gonna have to do the pickups for you, as yes. you are uh, you're going about your day here, and I will uh, do my best to be the uh, the Anthony that you are. In saying these games, so all right, we'll see. We'll see. Starting off with the one o'clock matchups, a big NFC South game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. Buccaneers, Falcons, huh? Buccaneers and the Falcons. Tickets are as low as thirty-two dollars for this game. And it the Falcons right now leading the division at six and six with the uh, the Buccaneers sitting at five and seven. So both teams um, are really in the playoffs to try to get in on this. Uh, it's a battle of uh, the division here today because the Panthers and the Saints are also playing. We'll get into that in a moment, but for right now it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons. I need a big Bijan Robinson day for the Falcons. I need him to do well, and I'm gonna pick Atlanta just for that reason. That at six and six, they've looked pretty good, and they're at home. So I could also use a big Bijan day, but I just think the I don't know. I've been waiting for the Falcons to play well and be a good team for what week are we in now? Oh my goodness! Yeah, you. I, sorry, the over under while I look that up. The over-under is uh, 41.5 in this game, and Atlanta is favored by two points. So, uh, well, no, what, what I'm just saying there is that I, it's week there's 14. just, like, no consistency with that team, and I feel like every single week we go into it being like, oh, the, I mean, how do you lose with this lineup? And then they show us every week how they lose with that lineup. And... I think that the, whoever wins in the NFC South and gets a home game in the playoffs will most likely have a losing record this year. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the that whether it's the South or the, or the East, that happens in the NFC pretty much every year. 
It's so true. It's so true. It's it's wild to see that how it, it seems to go down, um, and the South is not looking so good. But are you uh, are you picking the Buccaneers then in this game? Mm-hmm. You're taking the Buccaneers. Okay. Wow. Well, we're starting off uh, fighting already here, Anthony. So um, this one, I think we're going to get along really well together. Tickets are lowest are going for one hundred and twelve dollars in this game. In Chicago, the Bears will be battling like the Wizard of Oz against the Detroit Lions. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it'll be a, a Lions win. Uh, Lions and Tigers and Bears. And we're going to go with Lions nice. right now. Is The over-under is 43.5 with the Lions only favored by 3.5. Uh, weather could be a factor. It should be pretty windy for this game here. So... We can only hope that Jared Goff will be able to uh, to to do well, and uh, uh, if not, his running game has been pretty good this year. I gotta say that. Um, yeah, David Montgomery would be a nice little fallback option if he needs it, obviously. And uh, you know, what's his face, Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs having a pretty good year for sure. Coming into this game, actually a very important game for both teams to try to keep on the playoff hunt is the Indianapolis Colts traveling to Cincinnati to face the Bengals. The Colts are 7-5, and five and the Bengals are 6-6 six and six in this matchup. Colts are actually Jake looking, Browning was slinging it. Jake week. Browning would look phenomenal with that win last week, for sure, to get them back to 6-6. Six and six. And the Bengals are still clinging to at least being in contention for the playoffs. The, um, I'll give you the over-under on this one. It is looking to be two and a half favored for the Bengals in this game. The over-under, 44.5. Again, weather having a factor in this with rain and wind. So, to me, it's going to come down to the running game. And to know that Jonathan Taylor... Uh, you broke up a little bit there, Anthony. I apologize. I'm playing for a... I'm going to go with the Colts. This is a very... There we go. This is a very what? I said this is... Can, can you hear me? Uh, you're kind of breaking in and out. I don't know what you, where you are or what I'm you're going. doing. So keep keep talking. I'm switching. I'm switching. All right. Well, I'm going to go with the Colts in this Beginning one. Beginning of the year? Uh, the Colts are 5-1 and one on the road this year as well, and uh, Jake Browning will not be able to do everything that he wants to do here, so uh, I'm going to go with the, uh, the the Indianapolis Colts to get this victory we'll today. Sorry, I'm on the... Yeah. Have a good one. Sorry, Kyle, what were you saying? Uh, Colts or Bengals for you? Alright, can you hear me now? I can hear you, yes. Okay, so my point that I was going into was that this is not only a huge game for both of them, but it's a big money game for both of them because you got Minshew, who's a backup right now, playing for a playoff spot. If he does, he's going to end up being one of those, you know, quarterbacks that can make stupid money just backing guys up for the rest of his life. Same with Jake Browning, or Minshew could probably get a starting job. So they're playing for for much more than, you know, a win today. Um, I'm, I'm going to give the edge to... To Minshew, I think the Ooh, okay. I think the Colts have a little bit more. They just, I mean, tr- like the difference here is that you have 
pretty decent offense versus a very good offense with a quarterback that has not been playing with those guys for very long. So I'm basing it off of that I think, you know, the Minshew and Pittman connection has been great this year so far. So I'm kind of expecting that to be, you know, them them to be a little bit more cohesive than – I think it's going to be a shootout. What's the over-under? The over-under, the Bengals are favored by two and a half in this game. Well, that's the point spread, so – what about the over under? Oh, the sorry, yes, uh, the over under right now it is listed as forty four point five. Yeah, okay, I like that. I was gonna say it's it's gonna be a shootout. I mean, we know Browning can sling it. We know Minshew can turn it on when he wants to. It's just gonna ha- it's just gonna be one of those things where it depends on if they're both gonna have a good day or it could be. Uh, another 6 nothing game like the Patriots saw last week. Who knows? Yeah, that's true, too. I'm taking the Colts, though. Taking the Colts. You're taking the Colts. All right. Um, good morning to Jason Federson in the Facebook Live. Seeing him out there. Uh, Jonathan Taylor will not be playing in this game, so it's going to be a Zach Moss type. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so, But Gardner, yes, I agree, has been uh, very good. and uh, he's, he's earning his, his stripes for sure with the Colts, um, even though the Bengals have the stripes. Uh, but yeah, nice. all right. We're both going for the Colts in this game. This is uh, uh, gonna be a yeah, fun. Yeah, I, I have like a really good feeling that there could be like another like 350 yard game, but from Browning. But he could also, uh, you know, turn back into a pumpkin just as fast. Yeah, we've seen it before with Josh Dobbs not looking so strong these days. Um, so backups are only uh, they're backups for a reason. So we'll see what happens with that. The next game that I have, Jacksonville Jaguars with a limping uh, uh, Lawrence looking to come up to Cleveland to face the Browns. Tickets are going for $11 for this game. And Jacksonville I, were lost in Monday night uh, to the Bengals in that game. And right now, this game is looking to be Cleveland favored by two with their strong defense. And the over under a 37.5. So we'll see what Trevor Lawrence is listed as questionable. They're saying that he's going to go through the uh, the pregame warmups to see if he's able to play or not. Um, kind of a tough one right here because Cleveland is ba- and with their backup quarterback as well. But Jaguars have looked pretty good with an eight and four record, five zero on the road this year, while Cleveland is five and one at home. Yeah, this is this is really tough because we don't know if Trevor's going to play or not. Um, but also, it is like even if they don't, they're still playing against Joe Flacco. No, Flacco was actually back on the practice squad. The he, I just saw that they brought him up for the game this weekend yesterday. Oh, okay, that's so why that I'm like not true. Uh, I will verify that right now because I had it as I, I just I don't know why you. What's the point of having him if you're not going to keep him at least on the squad? It's, it's actually... Like, I don't, I don't understand. No, you are correct. As of two hours ago, Flacco to start for Browns. So, uh, yeah, okay. you do have Flacco going in there. I love the Browns defense this year, but I, I feel like Jacksonville will still... Ah, the weather is going to play a factor in this one as well. Crap. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with Jacksonville in this one. I think they just have enough. Uh, ATN can run pretty well uh, if the the wind is a oh, factor. Don't get me started on ETN. He is questionable though for today's game as well. Yeah, but his brother also just entered the transfer portal from Florida, so I'm not very Ooh, happy. Oh, gotcha. 
Uh, Amari Cooper is listed as uh, questionable. What has been said that he will play in today's game. So uh, Amari Cooper has been able to uh, stretch the field for the Browns this year a few times. But um, again, it's Joe Flacco, and I don't know how much playing time they have together. I I, I did hear, though, it is going to be a cold weather game. And the cold weather is what brings Joe Flacco back out. So it, you know, it might not be crazy to sprinkle a little on Joe Flacco to just have an old, an old school Ravens day, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. So, ooh, wow, Anthony, this is, we we both talked yourself in and out of certain decisions. Who's the Jaguar? What is it? C.J. Beathard? Yes, that is their backup. Gee, Dios mio. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm gonna have to just take the Browns, just because in the off chance that if Lawrence plays, I'm taking the Jags. If Lawrence doesn't play, I'm taking the Browns because the Browns defense and secondary is still like they're gonna eat Beathard. They're gonna tear him to shreds. Like, yes. Or he, he's either just not gonna be able to pass the ball to anybody, and then they're obviously gonna know that he's gonna want to run it, and they're just gonna block Etn all day, which I also don't need. I need Etn to have a good day. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm a little worried, but. Who knows? I mean, Beathard wasn't like the worst quarterback on that carousel of 49ers quarterbacks. True. I would say probably Nick. Uh, no, Nick Mullins had, I think, a longer run than Beathard did. Nick Mullins was Brock Purdy at one point, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he that... won like five or six games in a row, and then like Garoppolo came back, and he just never was the same player again. Or he never got another chance again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, going on to the next game, I think we both are on the same page as this one, but time will tell. Down in New Orleans, we got the Saints at home versus the Carolina Panthers. Tickets are going for $12 in this game. That's in Charlotte, too? No, it's in New Orleans. Oh, you said that. Okay. Um, The over-under is 39.5, and the Saints are favored by 5.5. I mean, I just have a hard time counting out any time Alvin Kamara's on the field. Uh, we don't know, like, David Carr or Derek Carr. What? Oh, God. Derek Carr is starting Derek, today. Derek Carr. Derek Carr will be starting. He never seems to finish these games. Yeah, so, it's true. I would, I would honestly be more inclined to say that, like, I think this could go either way. This would be an incredible game for the Panthers to win for pick seating's sake. So I would like the Panthers to win. I just find it hard to believe that. Ah, God. The Panthers are zero and seven on the road this year, and the Saints are two and three at home. So I I have to read something this week about how the Panthers are genuine because, like, obviously, you know, interim head coach seasons like for a loss already, like whatever. I was hearing that they were thinking about like having um, Bryce Young take a step back and let Dalton play a few games just so that he can kind of kind of get a little bit more of the you know the background experience to help like you know launch into next season. So it wouldn't shock me to see like if it's a low-scoring game or if it's competitive and the Panthers just aren't doing it that Andy Dalton comes in and they try and see if they can get some of that old man magic between him and Thielen again. Because, uh, I like, honestly, this game is kind of a shootout either way. I could, 
I could see it going both ways, uh, either way. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the ah, screw it. I'm gonna take the Panthers. Okay, I'm gonna go with the Saints on that. That's incredible, Anthony, that you decide to make this decision. But at the same time, you could be the one laughing at me in a couple hours. So. I don't know if I'll be laughing because it'll just be a total like gamble and a guess of like, oh, wow, who, who could have seen that coming? Uh, yeah. Apparently me, but maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, this game, and then it's the next game. Tickets are going for $6, Anthony, down in East okay. Rutherford, New Jersey, between the home New York Jets and the visiting Houston Texans. Uh, wind, rain uh, will be a factor. Texans. Let's move on. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was just going to say the over-under is uh, Texans favored by three. The over-under, 33.5. Last I checked, Laramie Tunsil is still playing. Nico Collins is still playing. CJ Stroud is still playing. And Tank Dell is still playing. And I believe Noah Brown is still playing. So, I don't see a shot where the Jets... Like, I, th- I just think it'll come down to them scoring too many points. Like, I just don't think it'll be doable. I don't think the defense will be able to hold them like that. Zach Wilson, will he be the the spark in the lineup again? I don't know. Genuinely don't know what Zach, what, which Zach Wilson will get out here. I just, I, it, but, whatever one, I, I don't see it being a good day for him at all. So, yeah, we're both going for the Texans on this one. In Baltimore, also tickets are going for $6 in this game is the Baltimore Ravens at home against the Los Angeles Rams. Baltimore. Baltimore, yeah. I'm actually very impressed with them. They're a, a silent uh, but deadly team, I feel like, in a lot of ways, that whatever they've been able to do. What I'm, what I'm curious about is that I was wondering going into these next set of games how they were going to look with Mark Andrews because without Mark Andrews, you know, you have all that coverage that was going to a big bring-it-down tight end that can now be dispersed wherever. You know what I mean? Like, not to say that whoever's playing tight end isn't, like, going to pull coverage at all, but it's definitely not going to pull the same coverage, and plays won't be designed around containing Mark Andrews. You know what I mean? So we've seen one week of it. Kind of gives teams a little bit of tape. Um I don't know. Uh, I'd, I'd be curious to see. I think the Ravens are still going to win today's game, but we could see a scenario where a team now sees what the tape looks like and what the tendencies are when you don't have Mark Andrews and where you kind of aim the ball and see where that goes. I, I'm I'm expecting a big Zay Flowers game today. Ooh, I just feel okay. like he's been kind of muffled a little bit lately, and I think they're going to be trying to get him the ball a little bit more. Um, so I, I'm taking the Ravens, but it's going to be – it's gonna be interesting. I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me to see. Like, I would probably take a first half under, or a, a first half like plus points for the Ravens in this game, just because I feel like it might take them a little bit to completely like get up and going. You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, the Rams at least have won their last three games in a row. Uh, they've looked very good. And Kyron Williams, like I was telling you, uh, I was telling you before, he's a, he's a bigger part of that offense than you expected. While the Ravens are four and five in their last uh, four wins out of their last five, and they're on a two-game winning streak as well, and coming off their bye, so uh, yeah. But it's I think it's an easy pick for both of us to go with the Ravens in this one. Um, and again, weather should be a factor. So if I can get some Kyron Williams yards, I'd be very happy with that. Um, 
Leading next in the 4 o'clock games, Anthony. The 4.05 start tickets are going for $257. Jesus, who is playing in this game? The Raiders and the Vikings. The Vikings. What? Yeah, $257 these tickets are going for. I don't understand the full aspect of why this game is so is important. It just because Justin Jefferson's playing? Like... Uh, he's set to return. Yeah, I mean it's uh, right now the, it's the six and six Vikings and the five and seven Raiders. The over to be under. Fair, it is like a very big time like old head Super Bowl. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It doesn't like shock me that there's a little bit of interest there and like reason to want to go. But two fifty a ticket to watch Josh Dobbs versus. Aiden O'Connell is insane. That's why I was very baffled. It's a nice. That's like the most hilarious matchup of like Aiden O'Connell and Devontae Adams versus Josh Dobbs and Justin Jefferson. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, who? Something doesn't look right about this. Well, same thing with like Thursday night, which is like Mitchell Trubisky versus Zach, Bailey Zappi. No, 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 no. I just mean like to have a to have like an S tier A plus wide receiver, and then you're. Well, this is the warm body we have going in at quarterback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody in that Patriots-Steelers game was just a warm body going in there other than T.J. Watt, who he didn't even play after, what, the first quarter? So Yeah, he's in concussion protocol. Apparently that hit was uh, much worse than, I mean. Did you hear uh, his comments about the NFL going into that game? I had not heard about that. He, during a press conference, was talking about how he's not happy with the officiating in the league because... People are holding him and doing all sorts of stuff, and he's never getting the call on, like, somebody holding him or anything like that. And it's, like, obviously it's stunting performance and yada yada, and obviously he's, like, one of the only guys on that defense. So, like, when you go up against a defensive head coach like Bill Belichick, you're going to get triple teamed immediately, and then obviously he didn't even finish the game. So, yeah, TJ Watt's not very happy right now. Well, unfortunately, yes, he's dealing with some... uh... Some concussion stuff. But uh, this game, Anthony, Minnesota favored by three. The over-under 40.5. Again, it, it is in Las Vegas. Are you feeling the return of Justin Jefferson? It will spark this Vikings team. Um, Maybe. I mean, uh, we, we've we now seen Josh Dobbs turn into a pumpkin twice this year. Yes, we have. Um, but what we've also noticed is that to turn into a pumpkin twice... You also need to be able to have the spark to come back up from it. So, you know, obviously going halfway across the country and going to a completely new team is a different kind of spark than just getting a wide receiver back. But I don't think it does nothing. Again, my my biggest thing whenever it comes down to injuries that I think about is coverage. When you're going into a game and you're trying to set coverage and you have K.J. Osborne, Jordan Addison, and T.J. Hawkinson – that's going to call for a different coverage or package or whatever you want to call it defensively than it's going to be when you have K.J. Osborne, Jordan Addison, T.J. Hawkinson, and now Justin Jefferson is back. Yeah. So, again, it depends on how the other team pivots their defensive play, I think, to how you know the coverage gets broken down. And, again, the – oh, wait, who are they playing against? Sorry. It is the Raiders, the, the Raiders and the Vikings. The Raiders defense. Yeah, the Raiders, I, you know, they, their defense isn't that scary. I don't even know who's on their secondary. Like, their their defensive backs are scary, obviously, with uh, Diablo and um, 
uh, Crosby, and yeah, they got they got some pretty big guys up on the front seven, but you know that that just leaves the backfield open and the secondary kind of open. You know what I mean? On a team with nothing but deep threats, both on each side with Addison and uh, Jefferson, and then you have Hawkinson up in the middle, and then Osborne in a slot. Like that is a dangerous uh, lineup for a team with not a great secondary. So I'm taking the Vikings. I mean, obviously I'm taking the Vikings. Uh, I just don't think. And the Vikings are down. Um, what's his face on defense still too? Justin Simmons. And Max Crosby is actually questionable for today's game as well for okay, the Raiders. So we, we could be seeing limited snaps there too. So again, another another thing that takes away from that. Oh yeah, this could be a uh, this could be a big Josh Dobbs get get right game. Yeah, that's what I'm going. Are they still in playoff contention? Yes, they are. Six and six. Uh, yeah, I think the and it's in Minnesota. No, it's in Las Vegas. Mm. They're well, both domes. I don't know. It's about it's about the it's about the right time of year for people in Minnesota to want a, a warm vacation somewhere. <laughs> I feel like I feel like nobody cares about the the Raiders and people care about the Vikings way more. So I don't know. It could be another like L.A. home field advantage situation here, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking the Vikings. I don't think it'll be relatively that close, but I could also, again, see this game being a game where it's either going to be all field goals or, like, uh, neither team gets past the 50 before halftime. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, well, this is why would shock me. This is why we have another 4 o'clock game to look at, and that is the Seattle Seahawks traveling down to the San Francisco Bay Area to face the 49ers. Tickets for this $137. I love that matchup. Again, as long as Geno Smith, are we still, has the news come out yet? Because I got to figure out if I got to put in Zach Wilson. Uh, I'm looking at it right because it's a four o'clock game. No. Um, Seattle. Oh, is, that's the Seattle. When did the favorite, Jets play? The Jets play at one. Uh, San uh, Francisco is favored by 14. The over under being 45.5. So a uh, a buff, tough spot again. Geno Smith I mean, obviously listed this is as the questionable. Is the pick. Yeah, yeah, I think that. But what I'm worried about now is, do I start Geno Smith or Zach Wilson? If I start Zach Wilson and Geno Smith plays, I'm going to be pissed because this will be the second week in a row I bench him, and he'll probably score 40 points again. Oh boy! But if I don't, then I'll have zero points, and I'll have Zach Wilson on my bench, who even if he gets six, will be more than zero. Yep, all right. and, the, and I have a chance to beat the guy that's in second place. If I beat him today, I ruin all of the seeding for the playoffs. Oh, goodness. This is a huge decision. All right, so for us, though, it is a big 49ers victory here. And, yeah, not uh, even close. Yeah, so this one will be pretty easy to do, but I understand what your dilemma is for the next little bit. Um, I will definitely help you uh, in the 12 o'clock hour to see what type of information that I can get for you to try to help you out with your uh, your your winning here. Um, but yeah, that's the other 4 o'clock game. 425, a fun one in Kansas City. Tickets are going for $95 between the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. I like this game a lot. Rematch I mean, Chiefs of a, is the pick. Chiefs are certainly the pick. They are favored by one and a half. A lot of people think that this game is going to be a lot closer and the over under 48.5. Isaiah Pacheco hey, out. I, mean, I didn't know about this. Shock me to, 
Yeah, I mean, as long as they maybe they come up with a different uh, type of terrorist attack to talk to talk about before the game, maybe maybe that'll spark the Bills again. <laughs> Who knows? Whatever whatever that whole situation was about this week, that was insane. That was insane that that was even a discussion. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I had zero clue that Isaiah Pacheco is gonna be out for today's game. So that's a big loss for the offense of Kansas City. Oh, big Clyde Edwards Hilaire week. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, that makes this game ugly. That's why I'm I'm looking at this like Are Dawson. Gonna be, is, is today going to be another huge meme game of uh, Kadarius Tony drop ball memes? Will Taylor Swift be in attendance of this game? It's so many questions that we have here. Tickets are going for ninety five dollars down in Arrowhead Stadium, and uh, I don't feel like she'll she'll be there for a non prime time. True. Well, this is a four twenty five game. It'll be on the CBS. That's not. It's not like Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football or Thursday Night Football, though. True. Okay, I got you there. Again, I don't know. That might swing things. It might not. I feel like that's kind of worn off now. Um, but I, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if this was a close game. But I, I have a hard time picking against the Chiefs, which also something I thought about the other day that really aggravates me about like kind of how dumb we are sometimes as fans because we do. We do pick them like this every single week. And every single week, there's probably at least three or four teams that we just decided at one point, we were just going to be like, oh, they're going to win every game they ever play. Like, what? Have, have there really been that many weeks this year, if any at all, that we any of us have picked against the Chiefs? Um, like, I feel like there's certain teams where it annoys me, where I'll go back and I'll look at the record and they'll end up being like, you know, 12 and 5, and it'll be like, wow. I did say yes to every game that they played this year that they would win. Why would I think that they would win every game? Yeah. I don't know. Just a dumb brain thought, but I I feel you there. So I you're gonna go with the Chiefs or the you gotta I I think I'm gonna go for the Bills yeah. right now. I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna take the Chiefs just because again dumpster fire. I don't know what's going on in that locker room situation. I don't know if McDermott's lost the locker room. If people are now uh, tailing tails out of school here, so. I don't know what's going on there, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna take the Chiefs just because I'm an idiot, and uh, <laughs> when you see the Chiefs on the board, it's impossible to talk yourself out of it. All right, even though they're gonna be giving the ball to Edwards Hilaire for 38 yards on 14 touches, and uh, Rasheed Rice will have 110 yards and four catches for no touchdowns, and Canarius Tony will have like 11 targets and three catches, and this will be an awful game. But you know. You never know. This was supposed to be an AFC Championship matchup, so exactly. Or it was, wasn't it? Last two years ago. Two years ago, yes, yes, it was. Yeah. Um, next up, battle divisional battle in the AFC West: the Chargers at home against the Denver Broncos, who have looked great some days, and other days they have not looked so good. And I gotta say, Sean Payton at least is making things fun uh, out there for those Broncos fans. Right now, the Broncos sitting at six and six, while the Chargers, who you just saw win last week, are five and seven. I, Chargers and who? Sorry, Broncos. Ooh, oh God, this is a kind of a fun game. The Chargers favored by three in this game. The over under forty four point five. Well, uh, I mean, coming off that big win, it's hard not to pick them. But I'm, I don't know. I might have to find a way. 
I'm going to go with the Broncos. Broncos this. Hot. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to go with the Broncos. They're 2-3 and three on the road this year, while the Chargers are 2-4 and four at home. So it's not like they, uh, the Chargers are really playing hard at SoFi Stadium. Very interesting. You, you're sticking with the Chargers in this one? I never was. Oh, uh, you're... you're I think I, I think I'm gonna pick the Broncos. I just think you gotta ride the hot hand. Uh, obviously, like Russell Wilson and Sean Payton have been here before uh, in terms of being like a hot team or a team that's good or just a team on a bounce back. You know what I mean? They've been, they've done them all. They've done it all. So they know how this situation deals. They know how to handle it. So I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt that they're gonna come in hot. The when is Mike Williams supposed to come back? Yeah, uh, he's done for the year. Oh, he is done for the he's year. He's done for the year, yeah. But I wasn't sure. Um, yeah, give me the Broncos. I just I don't know. I just, it's just hard to pick for the for the for the Chargers to score six points against the two and ten Patriots this week was abysmal. Like if you can't <laughs> score a touchdown against that, like again, we have a great defense. It was a rainy game. Yada yada yada. Whatever. But, again, you have Eckler and Allen and Quentin Johnson, who, you know, he hasn't really been that guy yet. But, remember, he was picked above, above a lot of really good wide receivers that are playing in the league right now this year. Very People forget true. about that. Yes, very so, true. I don't know. I Again, the it's there if they want it. Well, that leads us to— I think I've said to... this multiple times with the Chargers. How do you, you shouldn't lose this game. I don't know how you lose this game, but you will lose this game. It leads us to the 8 o'clock game, Anthony. The Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles losing last week to the 49ers. Now they have to face the Dallas Cowboys, a divisional battle. Uh, tickets are going for $196 in this game down in uh, in Texas here. And, uh, oh, Dallas favored by three and a half. The Eagles have not been looking so good. Over the under two, though fifty one point five like NFC title game. Yes, this is as the uh, it's one of the biggest games maybe all year for the division, and it's still less expensive than going to the Vikings and the and the, the Raiders. Yes, that's a good point Unreal. right there. Um, yeah, I'm taking the Eagles. I just think that the Cowboys are frauds. Ooh, wow. Uh, well, look, I just I'm, mostly just because that's what they've been for my, most of my life. So. That's I don't know until the Cowboys against the team in a big game, unless you give me a reason to. Well, I'm gonna. And they have not done that. They've blown out a lot of really good teams this year, but that's exactly what I'm looking at right now. Their last five games, they've beaten up on the Giants, the Panthers, the Commanders, and the Seahawks. While their last exactly their last loss was to the Eagles, 28-23. And even Seahawks being the best team on that list, that was the game that Geno Smith missed most of the game. Yes, exactly. So. Um, I'm going to ride the Eagles waves as well and pick them. Tomorrow, though, we have two Monday night games. Tennessee Titans traveling down to Miami to face the Dolphins. Two Monday night. Two Monday night games. surprise. So the Titans and the Dolphins. I think that we both are going to go with the Dolphins on this one. Yeah, the, the Titans are a quadruple A team at this point. Um. It is tractor Cito season, though. I've True, been but... calling for that every week, and of course it happens the week I'm not on here to ask for it. Of course. Uh, but 
Ah, you know what? I'm not going to say that the the Titans are a quadruple A team. They have actually showed progress since Levis has been quarterback. And again, when you know the sleeping giant awakes in their backfield, uh, anything is possible. Especially with DeAndre Hopkins and Levis, like having some kind of a connection, which I love to watch. So I will say the Dolphins will win, but it might be a fun game. Well, that that leads to the other fun game of the night, which is the Green Bay Packers and the New York Giants in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, I think Jordan Love really showed us what he's been able to bring in the past two games, including beating up on the Kansas City Chiefs last week. So um, it's the the Packers are favored by six and a half, and the over under is. 36.5. 36.5. So that's true. Jordan Love has been lovely. Saquon Barkley has still looked I mean, pretty good. Because again, you're right. Um, yeah, isn't this his first week back, though? Uh, no, he's been playing for most of the year. Um, the Giants yeah, are. Yeah, he was out. He's on my fantasy team. He's been on my IR or something like that for like the last like three weeks. He hasn't been playing. Weird. Okay. And maybe, maybe it's maybe that was before. I don't pay attention to that team too often. I'm like. 11 and 1. It's not even worth following anymore. He's got 697 um, rushing yards this week. I mean, he's he's played, uh, you know, he, he's ran for 46 yards against the Patriots, 83 versus the Commanders. Um, so, uh, yeah, he did. He, oh, they had a bye last week. That's what it was. Um, but, yeah. Uh, okay, yep. So, the Giants and the Packers. I'm going to. Ah, boy. Uh, I'm going to go with the Packers on this one. Yeah, yeah, Packers. Packers, okay. And that leads us to our one uh, Thursday night game this week, which will be the another divisional game in Las Vegas. It'll be the Raiders and the Chargers on Thursday night. I'm going to go with the... I'm going to go... Uh, I don't even know. I'm going to go with the Raiders in this one. I'm going to go with uh, watching the NBA on that night. Um, wow. Okay. Okay. I I don't know. I might even just, I, depending on how the Chargers play this week, I think that'll be a, a sign of how they're going to try and finish out the year. Um, if they lose badly today, does Staley get canned? Um, so I, 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 I kind of wanted for fun. I'm going to take the Raiders. Wow. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we have run out of time for this episode of Off the Mark Sports. It's been a fun one, Anthony. I'm glad that yeah, you, you were... did a bang up job with the with the picks today. I did what I could, man. I did what I could. I'm gonna get Wally pipped. Oh boy, I I don't don't be don't be thinking that much of me, man. <laughs> um, I appreciate that for sure, and uh, we'll be back next week for more Off the Mark Sports. As uh, it's been a fun one here, Anthony, but have yourself a wonderful day. Be safe. And we're going to uh, end the show with a banger here. As with, uh, again, the Patriots going for a winning streak next week. We'll see what happens with that. But for Anthony D'Alessandro, my name is Kyle Heavey signing off here on 95.3 WMH. Everyone have a great day. Be safe.